So when you texted me to say hi, it took me by surprise. How I didn't even think twice before I could read it, I deleted it. Before I could read all of the things you wanna say to me. Hello and welcome to the Respect Team podcast. I am Amy Hanna and I have the privilege of being the director of the Respect Team, a nonprofit organization that speaks to middle school and high school students about the importance of self-respect and respect of others. This podcast is specifically designed for the parents of young adults seeking more support and resources in raising their amazing teens. I have my dear friend and board member Paige Glingenfield with me. Paige is a licensed counselor and has been working with young adults and their families for several years. Hi, Paige. Hey, Amy. How are you? Good. Glad to have you here. I also have my other dear friend and board member, Josh Rains, with me. You may know Josh as the voice behind one of Star 88.3's radio shows and one of the founders of the United Front. Hi, Josh. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Today, we are going to be talking about how to navigate conversations of race with teenagers. So, Josh, we're going to start with you. Why are these conversations so important for parents to be having with their teenagers? And what is one of the best ways that parents can start this type of conversation? Yeah, so I'll start in the beginning. I think it's a great conversation to have because if you're not talking about it, then who is? And you want to make sure they're getting it from the right source, a a good view of race. And I think you come across race at different ages. I know some kids really start noticing it later on in life. But I think it's from a sandbox mentality, right? Everyone's friends with everybody. It doesn't matter. Do you play? Do you play basketball? Do you, it doesn't matter. Like, we just want to have fun and hang out. But I think the world and the media has kind of changed that and brought a lot of attention to that. And so I think this is a good way for parents to really get involved to see what are the kids hearing and if they can dispel some of the lies that they're hearing. Yeah, that's great. Paige, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that they parents don't even recognize the amount of modeling that they do unconsciously. So if they have an innate uh, opinion about something, even like race and and stereotypes and interacting with other human beings, that's going to translate down to their kids. And this conversation needs to come up. It's unfortunate that it needs to be happening, but it does. And we have to start educating our kids because they're the future generations. We are help raising them up so that they can change the world in a healthy way. Someone has to be having that conversation and it has to be you there at home because they are getting those influences on the school bus, on Google, on Snapchat, even in schools and on media. It's everywhere. And those are distorted messages. I think we can all agree they're all distorted messages. So then the question comes, parents, how do we become educated? Because frankly, we were raised by our own parents who probably have a distorted view as well. Different generations bring on different biases. So how can we gain our knowledge? And I think the biggest thing we can do is ask questions and engage in conversation. Once we start doing that, our eyes become open. And I just love creating that opportunities even for my own kids. Sometimes those conversations are really difficult. Sometimes those conversations can turn negative. So how would a parent 
navigate that type of conversation with their child because there's so many emotions and so many feelings behind everything that has been happening in our world for so long and people are starting to have that conversation more. But sometimes because of all of those emotions, our teenagers don't know how to navigate Mm -hmm. that. And so sometimes they lash out at that parent and the parent says, well, that's not what I meant. And then we Mm -hmm. have miscommunication. And so what does a parent do in that type of a situation? How do they how do they navigate those negative type conversations? Well, I would just like to say that it's going to be uncomfortable. I, I think as a white female woman, I would love to be able to put my head in the sand and say, I'm just going to live in my comfortable day-to-day life because I haven't experienced some of the things that my brothers and sisters in humanity have experienced. So it would be so much easier for me to be like, you know what? This is uncomfortable. I'm tapping out. But I, I value my friends. I value humanity. I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman that believes we've all been created for a reason that we've all have purpose and it doesn't matter what we look like socioeconomically and, and, and our abilities to think and process none of that. It's all because we are, we're all just priceless that I need to translate that to my kids. And so it, it takes me having the courage because it is courage because it's so much easier to just be comfortable and avoid it and stay in ignorance. So it takes the courage to have those conversations in the way that I, I do this in my own life, and I, and I encourage other people as well, is invite other people into that conversation. We can't be having these conversations by ourselves. I have a distorted view because of the privilege that I grew up in, but there are some things that I have never experienced that I can't speak into. So I have been fortunate just in, even in Fort Wayne, Indiana, surrounding myself with people that can give me some of those perspectives, and it's asking those hard questions, and even phrasing it as, I don't understand, help me understand, and I invite them into those conversations then with my kids, but it's still difficult. Let me share an example recently, and we talked about this off air, is that my, my son, he's 10, just joined a football team. My husband was the one there for tryouts, and so I did not know who the coach was. When we got there, we realized that all the coaches of the football team are African-American. So when we walked up to one, my son was like, I don't know who my coach is. So the coach, a black coach, said, what does he look like? My son, who has picked up on the culture of our society right now, did not feel empowered to say he's black. I don't feel like I perpetuate that at home, but yet I have to some degree, haven't I? As if it's almost a bad thing to acknowledge that he's actually black. When did that become a bad thing to acknowledge a reality? So I I just let this conversation play out in front of me. So then the coach noticed the awkwardness and he goes, was he black? And my son's like, yes. And he goes, well, is he light skin? Is he dark skin? Does he look like me? Is he short? You know, and then my, my son was able to, you know, describe him through adjectives, in which case we were able to find out. But at what point did it become so that our kids are picking up on the awkwardness of having the conversation of descriptors? Like descriptors don't identify intent and motivation and quality of character. But yet he knew enough as a 10 year old that it's still a, a, a awkward conversation. Y'all, I don't want this for my kids. Mm -hmm. I want us to celebrate that. And we do at our homes. My gosh, we talk about all different cultures and what they bring to the United States. And we we celebrate those things about how, in, in my family, we talk about how God has blessed us with different cultures. Because how plain this world would be if we didn't have the nuances of different things that make the world a beautiful place. We talk about it, but yet at the same time, there's still that tension. 
And so it's hard, it's uncomfortable. Parents, you got to invite other people in these conversations to educate you and your kiddos. Yeah, thank you, Paige. Josh, any thoughts on that as far as how parents can respond if their teenagers are lashing out or if they respond negatively and really begin to react instead of respond within conversations? Yeah, I mean, Paige said something really amazing. There was having other people come into your world. I think it's very easy for us to get stuck into what our norms are. And then we perpetuate that to everyone else. And that's not that's not the case. Not everyone lives in my world. Not everyone's had the same experiences that I've had. And so I think for a parent, it's very good to actually have a diverse friend group, to have your children see your friends. And so because it goes back to the reference point, if they see someone that's black in the community, they'll go back in their minds and go, hmm, what's the last person I saw that was black? It could either be a friendly face they see that you bring in or something negative they see on the media. And so we have to make sure that we give our children a good reference point and then sit back and listen. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we don't listen good enough at all. We don't, we don't sit back and say, kids, what have you learned so far? That gives them the time for them to talk about, man, we heard this and this and this, and we can say what's a lie and what's truth. I think it gets mixed between the two because we don't confront it. And I think racism, when it really starts, it starts as a child. Yeah. It's, it's learned, right? It's jokes. It's innuendos. I mean, I, I remember in fourth grade, someone turned the lights off. Oh, we can't see Josh. I laughed. I thought, I thought it was funny myself, right? I, I chuckled. But then I thought about that. I, I remember the kid that said that, and I watched him grow up. And I've seen more hurtful things that started at a joke early on, mm-hmm. but escalated to something else. This is the time for us to take the seed and to change it. Like, no, that's not right. No, that's not, children, we can't say that. We should notice that this guy is black because Jesus is diversity, right? Jesus is all colors. We should notice that, but we should celebrate it. There's nothing wrong saying, hey, there's a white person. Is she white? Yes, then there's a white person, right? There's nothing wrong in saying that at all. I think the whole thing is equal rights. The whole thing is want to be treated as equal. It doesn't matter if one's tall or short. We just want to be equal. And I think we have to come to a point where we take down the spirit of offense and we sit down and have an intentional conversation and say, hey, what do you think? And, and let's meet it right at this head. I love that you said that. And especially that part of we have to stop and we have to listen. Because I think so many times as parents, we think we have all the answers. We think we're going to educate our children, especially our teenagers. Well, I've experienced all these different things. Let me tell you what I think. And let me tell you what you should think, too. But ultimately... Our teenagers, especially now, they are so educated on these types of things. They have so much knowledge. And I know, especially within my household, my 17-year-old, we have lots of conversations about this. And she is so well-read. She is so well-educated to the point where, at first, I would try to educate her. And then I started to realize, whoa, she knows way more than I do. Mm. So then I started coming to her and saying, tell me teach me, help me understand, and then taking a step back and listening. I want to add to that because I think that builds trust. When you go to your daughter and you say, teach me, think about the humility that it takes for a parent to do that. And we can learn from them because they have a totally different perspective. This generation is so much more open to diversity and and accepting new things. There is beauty 
in that. Now, we as parents are going to kind of fight against that because we have a different worldview and the fact that we're adults. There's a, there's a difference in the reality of what we see and what they see, but there's so much value in taking the time and saying, help me understand, teach me what you see. What, and, I, and going back on the, on the friend group, I think this is something that, again, in our local area, it's, and pretty much probably everywhere, is that we do live in bubbles, right? We live in our bubbles, we go to work, we come home to our neighborhoods. I think we are blinded by that comfortability, and it is actually retarding our ability to grow and learn and develop and be better human beings. We have to continue as adults to, to branch out. And, and it's not like go phone a black friend type of time, you know, like, but it's really involving yourself in like, how can I diversify my experiences as well? So I can learn, so I can grow, so then I can help my kids do that as well. I think there's something beautiful about that. But again, it takes us taking that step of initiation, which potentially is one of the hardest steps to take. I was about to say, Paige, yeah, don't, don't, don't call me. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't call, call me. Say, I, I'm call teasing, me. but that method works. During the time in the summertime when the, the riots were happening in the city of Fort Wayne, mm -hmm. and I actually remember going down there, and I saw, I saw a lot of things. The first thing I saw, it was a very diverse crowd. You would expect it to be all black people to be down there, but it was not. It was probably, I would say, 70, 30, 60, 40 white to black that was down there. But what astonished me the most, blew my mind, was the demographic, the age range. There were young kids out there, upset. Now, it, was it the hype? Was it the emotions? It could have been. But one thing I saw from a pastor that really, that really challenged me, there was a guy standing on a car, and this pastor went out there and said, what are you angry about? The guy stepped down from the car. He said, I'm, angry. I'm tired of this. I'm tired. I'm, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm angry right now. They, they don't see us. He's like, well, tell me what they don't see. And so I watched this kid that was angry go from anger to standing on the street to actually now sitting on a bench, crying in this pastor's arm. And all it took was for a guy to come and say, talk to me. What's going on? How are you feeling? And I think to myself, man, this happened earlier in the family. What if this happened when there were six or seven? How are you feeling? Talk to me. Why are you angry? I think we can make a change. Ooh, Josh, you got me all emotional. <laughs> Ooh, it's good stuff. Okay, so kind of flipping just a little bit here. So many times we have parents that reach out to us and say, okay, what are some different books that I could be reading to help educate myself? What are some different podcasts that I could be listening to? Do either one of you have any suggestions that parents could reach out and access some resources yeah uh one of my favorite youtube videos is called uncomfortable conversations with a black man by emmanuel acho an amazing series to listen to there's tons of books i actually mok's letters from the birmingham jail those were amazing letters to read there there are so many books and not even that amy also there are so many people willing to actually talk to you like there's a lot of amazing community leaders we have in the state of Indiana, in the city of Fort Wayne, that if you wanted to reach out to to have some coffee to explain, like, hey, I have a question, do that. I think in our minds, like, man, if we ask this question, we're going to look ignorant and we're going to look racist. You're not going to look racist, you look ignorant. But that's fine. Ignorance is actually a great thing. The reason why is because you actually can bring knowledge, right? This is a chance for you to make a difference. When someone texts me and says, Josh, I don't understand. Why can we say all lives matter? I affirm them. I, thank you for asking me that. Thank mm -hmm. you for opening yourself to ask me that question. And I explain to them. 
But that would never happen if I got offended because they said that in the first place. So we have to make sure that we assume the best intentions from everybody and we take the opportunity that God has given us to educate someone. I love that you said that, that you affirm them first. Thank you for asking the question. Yeah. Because I think so many times people are so afraid to ask. So having someone say, actually, yeah, the fact that you just asked that, that makes me very happy because now I can help you to yeah. understand. Yeah. That's fantastic. Another good resource, Amy, is United Front. I love it because Paige says something that's kind of our motto. It's a shared humanity. It's not where we're blaming each other. It's not white guilt. It's, it's none of that. It's a point where we get together and say, how can we move forward together, right? How can we become educated? How can we become informed on everybody? Because everyone's story matters, right? The oppression, not be the oppressors. Everybody matters. And we're just discussing it from that point of view. What can we do to be better? How do they get involved in the United Front? Yes, you can go to fwunitedfront.com or follow us on our social media pages at United Front. It's an amazing opportunity. I implore. Matter of fact, actually, I beg you. You, sh you definitely want to be involved in something like this. Perfect. Thank you. So then another thing I would add as well, and I know myself and, and friends have actually read this book because we need to be, you know, continue to educate ourselves, is Be the Bridge. So this is by Latasha Morrison, and it goes deeper into pursuing God's heart for racial reconciliation. So like, what can we do? When we ask that question, what can we do as, you know, a white person, this is a book that can direct you in some of those steps. So it's a great resource as well. So as we start to wrap this up, what are some different things, especially white parents, white teenagers, but even our black community too, what are some things that we could be doing to help the cause? Mm, I, I would go back to what Paige said earlier on that. I would say, looking at your friend circle and saying, does this, I mean, my question is, does this look like Jesus? And is it simple yes or no? And if it's not, well, what can I do? So it's re reaching out to people, being more intentional in relationships. I know for as a, a white teenager, I think it would be to listen to your counterparts, listen to your brothers and sisters, listen to your classmates when they, when they talk about what's going on and don't just try to correct them or critique them, but just listen. Listening is huge. I think if you listen to them, you're doing your part. Yeah, perfect. So first of all, I just want to thank you both for being here today, for having this conversation. I think when we step into something that is a little uncomfortable, that we're not sure how to talk about it, I think that's when growth happens. So the fact that you both came today and that we can have this conversation today is wonderful. And we want to thank each of you for listening today. If you want to learn more about the Respect Team, you can go to our website at respectteam.com. You can email us at info at respectteam.com. Team.com. We want to thank Brotherhood Mutual for sponsoring our podcast episode today. And of course, we want to leave you with our respect team motto, which is to respect yourself, respect others, and respect all. So when you texted me to say hi, it took me by surprise. How I didn't even think twice before I could read it, I deleted it. Before I could read, I let the 